I've probably realized from a lot of entrepreneurs is that if you aim for higher goals and you have higher ambitions and you have bigger things that you're trying to accomplish in your life, you'll probably reach them. This is The Eric Hammond Show. Thanks for joining along each week as we uncover tips and strategies to help you grow your business through social media efforts like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and many other platforms. Hey guys, and welcome back to another podcast. Today's episode is going to be a recording of the Ask Eric Hammond Show, episode number 25. This is basically a show where we answer your top four questions every single week on business, on how to use social media, on how to grow, expand, and just accomplish some amazing things with the tools that we have in today's marketplace. As always, your top four questions come from you guys. Every single week, we get these questions from you guys, and uh, they're all over the place. And there's some fun ones today. I'm really excited to get into some of these. So the first one, we're talking about self-confidence. It says, how do you gain self-confidence in yourself at the start of your career. Let me tell you, for somebody who's changed careers a couple different times and really just kind of weaving my way through my entrepreneurship journey, entrepreneurial journey, there you go. I've had a couple restarts and some moments where you're just like looking around thinking, what the heck, I got to figure out what I'm doing, where I'm going. And and that self-confidence doesn't always come up right from the beginning, right? If you're brand new to an area, you might not know the answers to all questions. And that's one of the things that I've loved about this show. Because this is episode number 25, this officially marks the 100th question that I'll answer, which is great because by getting questions from you, it allows me to further develop my skills, the things that I understand and know how to do. Sometimes I know the answers right off the bat. Other times I got to do a little bit of research to help you guys bring the most value that I can into your businesses. So I would say if you're trying to find confidence in your industry and whatever it is that you're doing right off the bat, go learn as much as you can, right? Whether you just got out of school and you're starting a career or whether you're retiring from another career and trying to change into a new industry, either way, the reason that you probably don't have as much self-confidence in the career that you're going into is because you're brand new and you just don't understand the industry completely. I totally understand. Don't worry. Don't give up. The point is go learn as much as you can, right? Start consuming as much podcasts and as much video content as you can, right? YouTube is amazing. There's some amazing podcasts out there that you can consume uh, on a daily or weekly basis around the industry that you're in. Maybe it takes just reading a couple books, right? I mean, my goal for this year was to read 50 books, basically one a week. They say that the top CEOs of the United or of, uh, yeah, top CEOs. I don't think they generalize as the United States, but just top CEOs read a book a week. So that was my goal last year. I came pretty close. I think I read like 45, 46 books. This year I'm on track to read just over 50. So hopefully I can keep that pace and keep going. I would say read as many books as you can, consume as much content as you possibly can, and just keep learning, keep finding out the questions that your future clients, your potential leads have, and that's going to allow you to have confidence. Because what happens is you're probably afraid that someone's going to come to you and say, you know what, John, I'm really interested in working with you, but I want to make sure that you know how to do this, this, and this. And you're afraid that maybe someone's going to give you a curveball or pose a question to you that you don't know the answer to. So by learning more content, you're able to give better answers. You're able to provide the value that your clients are looking for. I remember when we first started our marketing business, the Orange Stack, I was a little nervous. You know, I would get on the phone every single day with about six to eight leads and trying to convert them into clients. And my biggest fear that I had was that I wouldn't know how to answer the questions that you guys would have. So I just figured the more calls I have, the more questions I'm going to get, the more ready I can be for anything that's going to come. 
It allowed me to be as prepared as I possibly could. So putting yourself in unique situations, putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations where you might have a few curveballs, they're really good for you. And I realize, you know what, if I have eight, let's call it eight exploring calls uh, every single day with my future clients and I lost one because I just put my foot in my mouth and I didn't know what I was saying, that's all right. The learn, the learning curve that I had from that one call allowed me to get so much traction and allowed me to bring so much value to the other clients that I talked to that day. So just keep learning, keep failing, keep going through your struggles and you're going to get to the point where you're more confident, you have more knowledge, you're going to look back in five, 10 years from now and think, you know, man, those early days when I didn't know what I was talking about and I had no confidence, they're just going to be, you know, a ripple in the water. So keep learning, keep growing, keep putting yourself out there in uncomfortable situations. If you don't know the questions that people are asking in your industry, a great thing to do is just go join a couple Facebook groups, right? Go join a couple entrepreneur groups, go join a couple business groups that are around the industry that you're in and see what types of questions people are answering. For example, if I was selling homes and I was new to selling real estate and I thought, you know, what are the concerns that homeowners or buyers had to deal with with selling their house or buying a house, I would just go join a couple Facebook groups that had to deal with real estate, not the investing side and maybe not the real estate agent side, but more of the consumer who's buying the house and see, you know, what type of questions do you have when you're a first time home buyer? It might be, how do I qualify for a loan? Or how long does it take to close on a house? Or you know how many offers does it usually take to, to uh, get accepted on a property? Whatever the questions may be, right? How do I sell a house? How do I maximize my value when I go to sell my property? How can I you know make sure that I, I get multiple offers the first weekend that I put my house in the market? Those are some great questions that you can answer and, and learn the answers too, so that you're more confident in what you do as a business owner. So think about your industry, the business that you're in, the questions that you might get from future clients, go learn the answers to them. Maybe you just got your top 100 questions that people are going to ask in your industry, carry it around on a sheet of paper. And you're always just thinking, how can I learn these questions better? How can I know the content better? How can I deliver more value to my clients as they come along? So write down the top 100 questions that you might get, research them, know them, continue to read books, continue to digest content. Keep coming back here, right? We're going to teach you how to be a better business owner every single week and uh, great opportunities for that. So hopefully that helps. That's just one of the things I would suggest is when you're brand new to that industry or that career, just keep learning as much as possible. It's funny because when you get out of school, I would say you know nothing, right? Like everybody feels like, okay, four-year degree or four years of college, you get out, you should be pretty well versed in what it is you're doing. I would say it's probably like two to 5% of the knowledge that you're going to obtain over the next 40 years of being in that career. So get to know that industry really well. Again, if you're uh, coming into a new industry that you've never been in, there's just a huge learning gap and, and take advantage of that excitement that you have right off the bat, right? You're, you're new to something. It's going to be exciting. You're going to want to learn as much as you can. Take advantage of that momentum. Just consume, consume, consume as much as you possibly can. Go find other people in that industry that you can ask questions to and, and see where they were. I remember being new into real estate and I'd go find these 40-year-old veterans who'd been selling homes forever, it seemed like to me. And I would go to them and just say, you know, what did you do to lead generate? Or how did you handle objections? Or what did you do for your clients so that they would see that you brought as much value as you possibly could to the transaction? Just learn from people with experiences as much as you possibly can. So hopefully that helps. Question number two. Okay, I'm going through these quick because we've got a lot to cover. Question number two is how to prepare best for a market crash when you're in the real estate market. Okay, there's a theme here. If you're in real estate, hopefully you're getting a lot out of this. But if you're not in real estate and you just heard that last question, hopefully you're not fast forwarding because if you're not in real estate and you're another business owner, I would suggest you consider getting into real estate. Owning rental properties, owning multifamily properties like duplexes, eightplexes, things like that, they can be some of the greatest ways to build wealth during your lifetime. 
time, right? Think about it this way, just real quick before I answer this question. If you're like, Eric, I've never thought about buying real estate. It's not on my mind. My money's going elsewhere. Just consider this for a second. If I was able to save enough money for a 20% down payment on, let's just say a duplex, and let's just say a duplex for easy math, just so you can kind of get the numbers right, runs to be $100,000 in your area. I know there's no area that has a $100,000 duplex, but let's just say that that's the case. That's $20,000. If I could save $20,000 and put it into this duplex, now I own a property that's gonna generate cash flow for me, right? Every single month, somebody's gonna live there. They're gonna write a check to me. I've gotta pay the mortgage, the other 80% of that loan to a bank, but then I can keep some of that cash flow for myself. The goal and the purpose of real estate investing is that somebody else will be paying down that mortgage every single month for you, right? Whether it's at $1,000 a month or $500 a month or $5,000 a month, they're gonna be paying down that mortgage month after month after month. And depending on your loan, typically after 30 years, that home is owned free and clear, right? So now after 30 years, you've had an asset that's completely paid off and depending on where you live in this country, that asset will grow in equity. It'll grow in value. You may have paid $100,000 for it and in 30 years, it might be worth 200, 300, $500,000 more than you paid for it. Not everywhere appreciates like that, but usually on the West Coast, we get some incredible appreciation, uh, definitely in the Northeast as well. But consider that somebody else is paying down that debt for you. If I were to go buy Apple stock, let's just say and I had $100,000 of Apple stock, I had to put in all $100,000 of it, right? I couldn't finance my Apple stock and have somebody else pay for it. Yes, you're gonna have appreciation and yes, it's gonna go up in value, maybe even more than real estate typically, but for the most part, you've gotta put that whole $100,000 into it. So there's my real estate pitch. Let's move on to the question. Okay, so how do I prepare for a market crash when I'm in the real estate? market. Number one is most people over leverage themselves. They say, okay, if I can borrow $100,000, I'm going to go buy $100,000 and they don't leave any money for future costs, right? So maybe you need to refinance to take some money out for repairs called a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. You might be able to uh, you know, pay for some of the repairs when you go buy a property. So just be mindful of that. The other thing to consider is how much money that you have set apart for when you go buy a rental property. Most people don't consider vacancies and repairs that come up and uh, um, you know, turn of the market, meaning that maybe your rents dip for a couple months and you're not able to cover the full mortgage payment and you have to write a check every single month. So one thing that I would suggest, which I learned from a great mentor of mine a while ago, is that when you buy a piece of real estate, no matter if it's your own home or if it's a investment property that you don't live in, have six months of income set aside for this property. That includes six months of mortgage payments. Okay. So if you're paying a thousand dollars a month as a mortgage, again, these are just easy numbers to try to make the concept stick. If you're paying a thousand dollars a month in a mortgage have six thousand dollars set aside so that you could pay a mortgage payment for six months if you had a vacancy or if the tenant wasn't paying and it took you a few weeks to get the tenant out of there number two is have six months of maintenance expenses and i'm talking about yard care talking about you know maybe some future roof expenses if if you live in an area where the roof deteriorates uh, maybe you need to paint it every couple years factor these numbers into it you know maybe you have an older furnace that's on its way out maybe the water heater's on its way out budget for these types of things just to kind of give you a quick side note in my own personal home and in all of our rental properties how we do it is we break it down um, basically into how long that item is going to live for right so if I have a water heater typically around here it's going to live like five to ten years so I would budget ten years for a water heater and that's kind of on the less aggressive side I would say okay if a water heater costs me and again let's just use easy math if a water heater costs a thousand dollars to replace that's ten years that's basically a hundred dollars per year that I need to budget that turns out to be like eight dollars and thirty three cents per month 
that I need to budget for, right? So if I said, okay, every single month I'm budgeting $8.33 for that, I'm good to go. Obviously, if you bought the house and the water heater craps out two years later, you got a lot of problems. But if you can budget for these things over the long time, at least you have money set aside for it. Most people buy a property and think, okay, someone's going to move in. The tenant's going to be there. I'm going to be covered. They're going to fix everything. They're not. <laughs> the, everything's going to break on that house eventually. And they're going to come right to you looking for you to make the repairs on this property. So budget for these things, be ready for it. When something happens, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen is you go buy a house, you over leverage yourself. The dishwasher breaks. It's $400 to fix it. And now you're like, I don't even have $400 to fix the dishwasher. The tenants are now going to move out. And now you're responsible for mortgage payments until you get that thing fixed. Does that make sense? So set aside six months of income, set aside six months of maintenance, set aside six months of mortgage payments because you never know what's going to happen. It's doubtful that you're going to need all six months, but at least you're ready for it. And if something happens where, you know, two months go by, you're not able to fill a vacancy, you had to write two months of mortgage payments or the water heater burns out early, you're ready for it. Don't just keep moving forward, like refill these six months after that happens. After you get through that turmoil that you had, after you get through that vacancy, refill that six months. We're kind of talking about Dave Ramsey style here, but be ready for the inevitable. Just know that stuff comes up. So how does this apply to a real estate market crash? When the market crash, things go all over the place. People stop paying the rents. You might have to kick somebody out. You might have a hard time paying rents on other properties. Just be ready, guys. There, as Tony Robbins say, winter is coming, right? We're in the fall right now. There's something that's gonna happen in the real estate market in the coming years. Just be ready for it. If you over leverage yourself and you're too tight and you're not able to cover your expenses, you don't wanna have to walk away from a property. You don't wanna have to foreclose on something or have you know, to, to lose a property, be ready for it. Even on your own home, have six months of living expenses set aside. If the real estate market crashes, just like it did in 08, 07, 09, you're going to possibly have some lack of income on your own personal income, right? You might have a job issue. You might have uh, to go look for a new job. Be ready for these things, guys. Be ready for, for anything that's about to come. So set aside money, prepare for, for whatever happens, budget over long term, uh, break down those costs, set an Excel sheet for all the things that are going to break down that you're going to have to replace on your property someday. Uh, have money set aside to pay the rent, to pay your mortgage. Just be comfortable. Just don't over leverage yourself. That's what I would say. Uh, and number five, eight, whatever number we're on next is to stockpile cash. And, and I think that the easiest way to say this is that when the real estate market crashed and prices go down and everybody's giving away their property again someday, it might not happen as bad as it did back in 08, but it's going to happen again where real estate is on sale. Have money set aside to go buy these properties because a house that was once worth $500,000 might be worth two or $300,000. And that house is going to pick up again and be worth six someday. So if you can come in at the low point and be ready when financing is impossible to get, and you're not able to qualify for a loan for whatever reasons, or the banks are just saying, no, you're going to have the cash set aside and be ready to pounce on these opportunities. So be safe and take advantage of the market that we're in, not take advantage of the people that are losing their house, but take advantage of the market that we're in and these discount prices that will someday be coming back. Okay. So that's my prepare for the real estate market crash question. I think that that I love talking about real estate. I could talk about it all day. And this last weekend we went out of town and one of my 
distant in-laws asked me some questions about real estate and I realized three hours went by and I was still yakking on about how to buy real estate. So if you're ever curious about real estate, got some experience in that. Okay, question number three is out of all things you've accomplished, this is a good question too, what would be the thing that you're most proud of? So out of all the things that I've accomplished, what are the things that I'm most proud of? Uh, I guess you could, I mean, this question could go any way. I mean, you could take it personally, you could take it business, you could take it income-wise, you could take it family-wise. There's so many things that I'm proud of in my life and not to be overconfident, I just, I'm happy where I am in life. I'm about to turn 40. Uh, I feel like I'm like at the midpoint of my life, right? Like most people live to 80-ish, but I also feel like I'm just getting started. And and granted, like most people spend the first 20 of your 20 years of their life, like zero to 20, just like screwing around doing nothing. And I did. So I really have only lived maybe a quarter of my life so far. Uh, and so I've got a long ways to go and I feel like I've accomplished some incredible things in this life and I still have so much more that's going to come. But I'm really proud of what I've done. I've got an incredible family who supports me like I could have never dreamed of. And I'm super grateful for them. Um, I've had some amazing income years where I've really accomplished more than I ever thought possible. I'm talking like multi six figure income years, right? I remember getting out of school and being the highest paid graduate in my industry, making $66,000 a year where most people were making like 25 to 40. And I was super ecstatic about that. That was 2005. Quickly advanced in my career, got to the 100,000 mark within a couple years, was super excited about that, got into real estate, started making well over $300,000 a year. It was just blown away that a person of my ability who barely got out of high school was able to earn that kind of income. Now I'm several rental properties deep, several businesses deep, sold a couple businesses, invested in other things, and I'm just super excited for for where I'm going in life. I guess the thing that I want to stress here is that if you underestimate what you can do in this life, you're never going to reach your potential. The thing that I've probably realized from a lot of entrepreneurs is that if you aim for higher goals and you have higher ambitions and you have bigger things that you're trying to accomplish in your life, you'll probably reach them, right? If I set higher goals, even if I fail, I'll fail at a higher level than if I would have set lower expectations. If I would have just said, look, I only want to make $100,000 per year in my life, I probably would have made 80 or 90 and it would have been great, but it would have been as much as I could have, you know, but I had goals of making a half million and a million dollars, which I'm still not there. But the chance that I'm, I'm getting closer to that versus if I would have just put my plateau at $100,000, it means that I can do more. So I'm super proud of what I've been able to make in this life. I'm I'm proud of the fact that I can build businesses that have success, right? So I'm on, I don't know, my fourth or fifth business now. Some of them have had great success and I didn't, I didn't sell or get rid of all of them because they failed. I just moved on to different interests in life in, in scalability too. We've had real estate investing businesses, property management businesses, real estate, like retail sales, where we help people buy and sell homes for themselves, like a real estate agent would do. I've had little construction businesses back when I was in, in college and, and just trying to support myself, all sorts of things, you know? And, and as I've learned and, and grown from each adventure to the next one, I've realized the possibilities that exist in this life. And so while I'm, again, just kind of getting started, I realize that I have some great potential coming and some things that are are brewing in the pipeline and I'm excited for what's to come. So I think the thing that I'm most proud of in my accomplishments, I hate to feel like I'm bragging here for all this time, but I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that now I've been self-employed for over 10 years and I haven't quit or give up, right? They say that most people who become self-employed are usually out within two years. They're they're back at a W-2 job. They're back looking for income from 
from somebody else because they couldn't figure out how to make it. Most new startups fail within the first year, right? And I've gotten past those moments. I'm still self-employed. I have a house. I have a life. I have a car. I have income. And I'm happy that I've made it past those points. So I think that the fact that I was able to go out on my own 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, and I'm still here, still kicking, still moving forward, still driving and, and still finding success. I'm probably most proud of that. So I would say the thing that you could probably learn from this is don't underestimate your abilities. And as again, Tony, I keep quoting Tony Robbins. As Tony Robbins says is most people underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade and overestimate what they can do in a year. Meaning that you're going to try to cram in so much stuff in one year and you think you're going to fail, but then they underestimate what you can get done in a decade. And it's the same for me. Like I look at a year and think, oh man, I never hit all the goals that I wanted to in that year. I never, I never accomplished everything that I want to in a 12 month period of time. But then if I look at the last decade, I've far exceeded anything that I ever thought I was going to do in a 10 year period of time. So think forward in in decades if you can definitely break that down like we talked about last friday in, in goals on our facebook friday show of thinking what can i do this week that's going to help me reach those goals that i'm trying to accomplish in 10 years from now so anyway that's what i'm proud of question number four okay this is a good one too i really like this one because this one's kind of out of the ordinary it says and it's definitely going to apply to you too so anyway i have a cleaning business and i'm trying to expand it by reaching an older demographic okay if you're not a cleaning business owner this will definitely still apply Okay. So I have a cleaning business. I'm trying to extend by reaching an older demographic. I would say older demographic is going to be like 65 plus because on Facebook, they say 64 through 13 is trackable, but then 65 plus is anybody over 65. So let's just say 65 and up is older demographic. My mom would hate that answer. <laughs> However, my target audience does not use Facebook and I don't want to go door to door to market myself. What do I do? Okay. There's a couple interesting things here because I think most small cleaners, like people who clean people's homes, they go knock doors, they hand out cards, they hand out flyers, either door to door or they go put them on windshields. Like everywhere I go, I seem to get little flyers or, or little business cards for personal house cleaning, right? So that's probably been their biggest strategy. I don't think I've ever seen an ad on social media anywhere for a house cleaner. Even though I've Googled house cleaners, we've had our house cleaned by house cleaners. I've used dozens of house cleaners for different flips and, and selling homes and, and just keeping our house clean from time to time, right? But yet nobody ever targets me as being somebody who's interested in house cleaner. And I don't know if they just think, think that I can afford it or that maybe, you know, we're young so we can do it ourselves. Like both my neighbors who are past six years old, they both have house cleaners that come on a weekly basis. So maybe they just assume that that's the demographic. So the next part is, is maybe you shouldn't assume that your demographic is an older database, right? Or an older demographic. Maybe you just need to realize there's younger people that might be wanting to use their service too. So don't pigeonhole that, but maybe that's where 80% of your business is coming from the older demographic. So how do you target these people who aren't on Facebook? Well, number, I keep losing track of numbers. Number three or four, there's a lot of other social media programs that people are using who are 65 plus who might not be on Facebook, but Facebook is getting older. So let's talk about that first. There's a huge demographic that's on Facebook that's older than 65. So you should use that. Uh, you just have to have the right content and the right ad. We'll get into what to say to that demographic in a second. But I just want to say that Facebook's catching up. The 65, 70, not quite 80 yet, but I would say 65 to 80 demographic is definitely on social media, on, sorry, on Facebook. And they're using it on a regular basis. They're probably on there an hour a day. They consume content in a much lower fashion, right? So the, the millennials are like scrolling through stuff super fast. This is how the 65 plus demographic uses it. Oh, that's interesting. Let me read this. Click, read, 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 read. 20 minutes 
later, come back to social media. Oh, next article. Let me read that one, right? They read and consume everything in there. So be ready to have content that people consume in long format. They're just not there to skim and read quickly. So you need to create content that's relevant to people who want to consume it. Number, whatever. I'm not going through numbers anymore. Facebook is a great place to be. I would say the next one to focus on is probably YouTube because that's where the majority of, I would say that age is consuming content because they're there for the instructional videos or there for the how-to videos. They're there because they're interested in content that YouTube has to share. Besides the fact that right now, YouTube has the best reach between 18 and 49 year olds than any other TV platform, period, including Netflix, including cable, including local channels, Netflix or YouTube has the greatest reach from 18 to 49. So if that's your demographic, use it. But the other thing to consider is that there's a lot of older demographic individuals who are searching for content that they're looking for. So number one, you can go off search-based content. Anybody who's Googled house cleaners or cleaning my house or tips on cleaning my house, you can target those people on YouTube with ads that are relatable to what it is that you're trying to sell. So have a great ad and we'll get into the content in just a second here. But the call to action needs to be learn more about the services we provide, right? Not schedule your appointment or set up your first clean. I mean, you could try that, but I would say take them to a quick landing page out of YouTube that says, here's everything that we offer. You know, if you want a one-time clean, a monthly clean, a daily clean, weekly clean, whatever it is, just show all your thing, have your prices. It's amazing how many people don't include the prices because they're worried, oh, my competitors are going to see that and they're trying to undercut me. You know how easy it is to just do a little bit of research and find out what your competitors are charging. So have your prices there, have your calendar available on your website, have an ability to book an appointment if if you offer that. But the point is, is take them from a YouTube ad and bring them to a landing page where you can talk about exactly what your services cover. And, and I would say the call to action needs to be schedule an appointment if you can figure out how to do that with your CRM. Okay. So YouTube ads, the next one I would consider after Facebook, YouTube uh, is Instagram. Instagram being so consumable for the fact that people love, love looking at beautiful photos. They love the little short videos that people are now running on Instagram. You know, those like 10 to 20, 30 second videos. So consider, and this is where we're going to get into content now, consider before and after. Consider the, I'm trying to show you the benefits of what a clean house can do, right? So educating your clients on your service. So if you had, you know, a square image when half and half was the before kind of living room look and the after of what your services do, right? So maybe you clean up after kids, maybe you put away after, you know, life happens in the morning. School's just about to start. So this is a great time to show busy moms like, oh my gosh, I got a busy life. I got kids to run around. You come in, you know, at nine in the morning, tidy up after all the kids have left. They ate their breakfast. They made the kitchen a mess. You come in and, and straighten out everything. That could be a great before and after, right? So showing maybe kitchens, living space, bathrooms, things like that before and after. Maybe even just teaching about the, the benefits of what hygiene can have on a clean house, right? So, you know, you don't want to scare your clients, but just educating them on saying, you know, uh, countertops will have bacteria or dust mites or this going on by us coming in and, and just using sterile environments and cleaning and using these whatever organic or healthy cleaning products. We're going to help keep your family healthy this year. As fall rolls in and as, you know, the flu season comes and things like that, talk about what a clean house can do for people's living environments. Talk about you know, uh, the organization of what a clean house can do and, and how it makes their life so much easier. I just know that my wife is so much more stress-free when our house is clean and organized and when there's stuff everywhere. And I think that your clients are probably going to be the same way. So if you can teach them the benefits of what your product can do for them and how it can make their life better, healthier, and happier, they're going to, they're going to win. So the, the call to action on Instagram needs to be learn more, right? Bring them to that website again, where you show them everything that you do. You know, we do monthly, 
we do once, we do weekly, we do daily, however often that it is that you provide your services. That's what I would suggest doing. So take them from these platforms to that environment. So we had Facebook, then we had YouTube, and then we had Instagram. The last would be LinkedIn. Okay. So this is the strategy that we're trying to implement a lot more around here. So this is definitely the hypocrite side of me because we're not doing it as strong yet, but maybe by the time you consume this, we'll be better at it. But we're definitely encouraging our clients to create more content for LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn used to be the, I want a new job or we are hiring for a new job. Come here and look for it. But now it's becoming a huge con uh, content platform. They've shifted from the one-to-one -one looking for a job to we're just trying to help bring value to our clients. We're trying to teach the world what it is that we do. It became a great place to make connections. So you're thinking, okay, I don't necessarily need to make that connection with the business owner or the person looking for a job, but it can be a great place to teach people. People are now are going there to consume content. It's becoming the time magazine or the medium uh, of our day, right? So consider creating content that again, teaches your future clients why they need to work with you. So basically write articles about what your products do, about how you clean, about how you're different than all the other cleaners in the area or about how better their life is going to be by using you or how organized their house can be and how more efficient they can run their family when you come into play, right? So write content that relates to that. If you can consider writing an article once a week or some type of a five minute read once a week, that's going to go on LinkedIn, you'll kill it with that. And then again, at the end of the article, having a reference back, if you're interested in learning more, click here to go to our website to see what it is that we offer. Then you can make connections with other people. It is a great kind of B2B networking place. So making connections with other people, maybe make connections with real estate agents, right? So cleaners, real estate agents, they can work together because if you're buying a new house, you probably want that house clean from the last people that have been there. If you're selling a house, you want that house clean so that people come in and are wowed by it. So there's your kind of one-to-one uh, -one connections. Maybe you make connections with, uh, you know, other health professionals who recommend living in clean environments. Maybe you, you know, just connect with other business owners that are going to be able to refer you business. So LinkedIn is probably the last one that I would suggest. It's still kind of new, but man, the organic reach is incredible on that platform. So if you're again watching this and you're thinking, okay, Eric, I don't have a cleaning business. I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm a chiropractor. I'm a coach. I'm a mechanic. I have another small local business. How does this work apply? Use these same platforms. If you have an older demographic who uses your services, Facebook still works. YouTube is amazing. Instagram is incredible, right? Teaching your clients why your product or service is useful for them, how it's going to make their life better, how it's going to transform their life and, and bring them to a new life that you're trying to help them live. And then also teach them about your product and teach them why, why it's amazing, how you're different, how it's going to benefit them. And then, you know, again, using Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, these are all incredible platforms for your services, guys. Whew. Long one today. I think that these are some great questions. If you haven't noticed, we chopped these questions up and dispersed them throughout our other platforms. So if you've watched, this is episode 25, if you watched one of these episodes before, if you've seen some of our content before, go check out our Facebook pages. We've got two Facebook channels, the Orange Stack, and then uh, my personal brand page, which is called The Eric Hammond, because I'm the Eric Hammond. There's lots of us out there, but <laughs> find The Eric Hammond out there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have some great content on there. We've got a podcast that is getting refreshed and coming out again. So if you haven't checked out our, our more updated podcasts, we're starting over with that and have some great shows on there. A lot of content to consume. So guys, thanks for being here. And thanks for checking out the show every Monday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific. And if you are listening to this on the podcast, because this show is now going into our podcast, subscribe to the channel, subscribe, share this with somebody who needs to hear it. Come back, join us for the live episode Mondays, 10 a.m. Pacific on our ask on our Eric Emma Facebook page. And uh, as always, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for subscribing and thanks for being part of the journey. Till then, we'll see you next time.
Hey, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to get these podcasts delivered to you every week as we share strategies on how to grow your business with social media. I'm Eric Hammond of the Orange Stack. We'll see you next time.